I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commanded as having pleased God. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this is most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be received, heard as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent vehicle to pass on everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be clear, simple. May this word be life-changing and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm full of all kinds of emotions right now. It's just so good to be back. And thank you for that lovely introduction. I'm just barely getting to know your new pastor. And I look at him and I look at Kathy. Then I look at him and I look at Kathy. <laughs> How did you do it? And you know, over the years, you probably know, I have prayed for somebody else. His name is Scott, that he might find somebody, but then praying for him to find somebody, you talk about praying for a mountain to be removed. <laughs> but it looks like God did it. Oh, my. So, so be encouraged. With God, all things are possible. Good to have Louise back. And our son, T.R., has spent many, many times here. As you probably know, we're here because Dr. Michael Yusuf, whom I've introduced to KT over the years, his ministry, Leading the Way, is having its 20th anniversary in England. And I'm on his European board, and he's very kindly brought Louise and me over for this week. So that's why we're here. And uh, you didn't have to have me, but you did, and I, and I appreciate it. It's just wonderful to be with you. So good. I want to preach to you today on the subject, Pleasing God. I want to begin with a personal story that I think you will agree to be relevant for this sermon. I don't think I've ever told this before. 
here. I grew up hearing a story from my dad that he and my mother, when she was six months pregnant with me, were in a Nazarene church. I was brought up Church of the Nazarene. And they heard a sermon in a Nazarene church by a preacher who preached with such power that my dad said, this is what I, I grew up hearing this, he put his hand on my mother's tummy and said, Lord, give me a son to preach like this man. I grew up hearing that. Now, fast forward 18, 19 years later. I'm now at Trevecca Nazarene College in Nashville, Tennessee. In those days, we had to attend chapel every day, five days a week. I heard sermons by the hundreds. I only remember one. It was a sermon preached one day on Hebrews 11, verse 5. And the old King James authorized version puts it, by faith Enoch had this testimony before his translation that he pleased God. Well, I cannot explain it, but there was something about that sermon that caused me to do what I'd never done before. I rushed to my dormitory room, fell on my knees, and said, Lord... Please let me live a life like Enoch, that I please you. Now, by coincidence, my father phoned me that day about something, and I said, Dad, I heard a sermon today. Uh, I've never heard anything like it, and uh, it just made me want to come and pray. And Dad said, Well, who, who was the preacher? I said it was a man by the name of C.B. Cox. And Dad said, son, that is the man your mother and I heard when I put my hand on your mother's tummy to pray that you would preach like that one day. Well, that connection uh, to me was not accidental. And I also think it's connected to the fact that I grew up... <laughs> I can't explain this, just wanting to please the Lord. And when an old mentor quoted a verse to me, John 5, 44, for some reason that verse gripped me. It's when Jesus said to the Pharisees, who didn't believe in him, and this is the why, if you wonder why the Jews missed their Messiah, it's John 5, 44, Jesus tells them clearly, how can you believe? who receive honor, one of another, and seek not the other honor that comes from God only. Well, for some reason, <laughs> that verse became like a life verse. And I've wanted, as best as I could over the years, to live a life that gets honor from God and not just from people. Well, Charles Spurgeon used to say, if a, if a text gets a hold of you, chances are you've got a hold of it. Well, that was Hebrews 11, verse 5. Enoch 
before his translation. He was one of two people translated. There's only two people that never died. Enoch and Elijah. I don't know why they didn't. It was God's purpose, but he just did it just to show maybe that he can do it. That there will be such a thing as a translation to heaven. And uh, when I think of that verse, the knowledge that you please God, I think, is the greatest thing that can be said about you. I, I cannot imagine anything greater to be said about you than the knowledge that you please God. Colin, is that you? I just happened to... How'd he get in? Hi, Colin. Welcome. Recently, we've had two royal funerals. Uh, a year or so ago, Prince Philip died, and I watched his funeral on television. And uh, they were, I remember the Archbishop of Canterbury talking about all his honors and rewards. They named 11 awards given by the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip. And I thought, this is so phony. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't do anything to get him. He was born to privilege. He would have got him anyway. And they were mentioning him as if this is an accomplishment. And I, I thought, do you suppose Prince Philip would be stupid enough to think that this is how he gets to heaven? I, I wondered that because I think I've lived over here for many years. I know how British think, and I think maybe he actually thought this was going to help him get to heaven. All I know is that uh, things like that don't help at all. And then I compared it to the uh, pedigree of the Apostle Paul. Circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain, this is Paul speaking now, that I had, I count as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus for my Lord. For his sake, I have offered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ." Well, here we know, Hebrews 11, verse 5, my text, Enoch pleased God. I want somehow that to grip you. Now, it doesn't say he pleased his parents, because sometimes that's hard to do. I suppose there's one or two here, uh, you never felt you came up to your parents' standard. I recall my first report card in Crab School, Ashland, Kentucky. 
It's kind of embarrassing. My first report card, three Bs, three Cs. I thought, oh boy, I, I don't think my dad's going to like this. And when I took my report card home, here's what he said. Well, son, three Bs, three Cs. Next time you can have all Bs and no Cs. I did. I thought, oh, good. Instead of him saying, good, son, he said, you know what? Next time you can get some A's. <laughs> I did. And I thought, well, this time he's going to say, oh, well done. You know what he said? Next time you can have all B's and no C's. Uh, all A's. Thank you. I need your help. <laughs> They're very helpful here. When you get into a mess, they'll help. Yeah, they will. Be encouraged. <laughs> They're clapping for themselves. <laughs> so he said, next time you can have all A's and no B's. I did. But the next time, some of those A's had A minuses. <laughs> and what do you suppose was noticed? You know, there's a, sometimes you can never come up to the standard. But here's the thing. It's my view, the grandest and greatest thing that can ever be said about anybody they please God, and it's a possible thing to do. And God is not like some of our parents. They mean well, but you know what this verse says in the Greek, the, what it means? He had this witness, Enoch, inner testimony that it was pleasing the Lord. You see, this is the thing. When I know I'm pleasing the Lord, I can manage. I may not please my parents. In fact, it doesn't say that Enoch pleased his friends. Sometimes that's hard to do. You've heard the phrase, with a friend like that, who needs an enemy? Well, that can happen. And you want to please friends, you want to keep friends, and you worry about it. But if you fail with a friend... Where do you get a good feeling? Where, do you, where does it come from? It's this. You're pleasing God. And I think, that's, that's pretty good. I can live with that. Or it doesn't say that he pleased his wife. Sometimes that can be hard to do. I was preaching in Northern Ireland. I'm not making this up. At the end of the sermon, a man came up to me and said, Dr. Kendall, can I ask you a question? Sure. He didn't want anybody to hear him. Can your wife be your enemy? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, thank you. <laughs> Then he came back. He said, by the way, I wanted to tell you, your book, Unhappy Marriage, 
was the best book I've ever read in my life. I said, I, I haven't written a book on unhappy marriage. He says, yes, you have. It changed my life. And then it hit me later. I've written a book called Thorn in the Flesh. <laughs> and that to him was the book. It was a chapter. It was a ten chapters. That's one possibility. Unhappy marriage. It doesn't say of Enoch that he pleased his enemies. Anybody here have an enemy? And you're trying to please them? I mean, give up. <laughs> you're probably not going to do it. I don't know, Pastor, if you've ever had a member in your church, not here, <laughs> former church, where you had one or two enemies, critics, ever had a critic? You won't because you're such a nice guy. I don't, <laughs> can't imagine anybody. At Westminster Chapel, that's where they, you know, be perfectly orthodox, sound. You don't get it wrong there. And I had a man in the church who thought I got it wrong. In fact, he wrote a book against me. <laughs> Kept coming. Now he's writing another one. And <laughs> you can't help but be aware of people like that. And he's in the battle on the fourth row taking notes. And then he's looking for something for his next book. It's hard to deal with that. There's no way I could win him over. I could take him out to dinner. I could wind him. It wouldn't help. It doesn't say that Enoch pleased those who were jealous of him. Got anybody jealous of you? If there's somebody jealous of you, there's not a thing on earth you can do about it. There's a verse in Proverbs, who can stand before jealousy? Don't even try. So when that happens, where do you get your satisfaction? And this is the point of the sermon. You can please him. He's not hard to please. His commandments are not grievous. And the satisfaction is greater than anything you can imagine. No, you please God. Doesn't say of Enoch that he even pleased himself. This is important. Romans 15, verse 3. Even Christ did not please himself. Now, there's something you need to know about the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Enoch is just one of many described. There are two kinds of faith. This is a major theological issue. Saving faith, persistent faith. Saving faith is what gets you to heaven. Persistent faith is what enables you to come into your inheritance. You may recall years over the, when I would preach here, I would talk about every Christian is called to come into their inheritance. Some do, some don't. And those who did in Hebrews 11 describes them. And so there's a bunch of them. What they did by coming into their inheritance, they turned their world upside down. And so, Enoch, he's the first mentioned. And I would think that 
Noah would grow up hearing about the legendary Enoch. And he says, I wonder what I have to do that I will be taken to heaven. Well, here's what we know about Enoch. It says in Genesis, you can read it, he walked with God. That's, that's Noah, he walked with God. <laughs> Noah says, I'm going to walk with God. And he hoped every day he could be taken up. And every day he'd wake up, he'd think, what am I doing wrong? I'm still here. And one day God said to Noah, build an ark. What? Build an ark. Well, Enoch, he walked with you. He was taken up. That was Enoch. You build an ark. He did. Never before and never since. And I can imagine Abraham. He walks with God. He thinks, I wonder when I start building my ark. It says of Abraham, he didn't even know where he was going. Hebrews 11, verse 8. Goes out, doesn't know where he's going. Here's the thing you learn about Hebrews. Every single person there had to do what had not been done before. You see, it's easy to do it if somebody else has done it. But when you're required to do what is unprecedented, that is a challenge. And I wonder, could it be? I don't know. This is not any kind of revelation of me. But I wouldn't be surprised there's somebody here, you are required to do what has not been done before. And some day God says to you, I want you to do this. You say, well, Lord, who else has done this? Does it matter? Well, it would be a lot easier if I knew someone else did it. This is the challenge. These people in Hebrews 11 who came into their inheritance They did it by keeping their eyes on God, not those around him. And this is the verse that has gripped me over the years. How can you believe, Jesus said, who receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from the only God? The reason people miss revival. Listen to me. The people that miss revival are almost always those who won't stand for something because of what people might think. And you miss it. You miss it entirely. A story that you may have heard, it's a sad story. At the time when the Welsh Revival was at its height, 1904-1905, a missionary couple in India heard revival had broken out in Wales. They got on a ship and came to Southampton and came up to London, heading for Wales, ran into some old Christian friends. So what are you doing here? I thought you were in India. Oh, we're going to go to see the revival in Wales. These Christian friends said, don't bother, it's Welsh emotionalism. They said, oh, well, we didn't know. Thank you. He got on a boat, went back to Wales, and they, uh, back, back to India, and they missed it. All because they listened to backslidden Christians, told them don't bother. You see, people miss what God is in because you're looking over your shoulder. What will they think? What will they think if I do this? And I'm here, and 
this is, I don't mean to be <laughs> dramatic, but this is probably the last time I'll be with you. And I'm watching as best as I can every word I say. I'd like to leave a deposit. And the deposit today is get your joy from pleasing God. And don't let what people say around you. Well, you see, the writer knows that these people are already saved. You see, Hebrews 11 is not talking about how to get to heaven. Hebrews 11 is talking about how those who come in their inheritance. So, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Samuel, Jephthah, the whole lot. This is persistent faith. I used to say at Westminster Chapel, and uh, you may remember, here, I've got some chapel friends. I got two followers left. Westminster Chapel, they came here today. I used to say to you all, why don't you be like Hebrews 11 people? I used to say, what if 300 people would just decide to be like those in Hebrews 11? There were, these are not spectacular, unusual people. We deify them now, Abraham. They were people. And I would urge you here at KT, why can't you be like those in Hebrews 11? Yeah. God's got a plan for you. You can turn your world upside down. You do it, not by looking over your shoulder, but saying, God, what do you want me to do? And that is my message to you today. You see, the writer wants them to come to a higher level of knowing God. Let me ask you, are you happy with the level you have now pleasing God? Are you happy? You know, God says it's a higher level. And it's by entering into God's rest, Hebrews 4.1. Having God to swear an oath to you, Hebrews 6. God swore an oath to Abraham. And he's encouraging these Hebrew Christians, he'll swear an oath to you. To me, what's it like if God swears an oath to you? I'll tell you. It's when God becomes so real that you become fearless. And it doesn't matter what people think. You're there to honor him, please him. This is the way to live. God could do that, and you could turn London upside down if all of you would just live honors to please God. Well, Hebrews 11, all about coming into a greater relationship. But I want to ask a question before I finish. Be honest. Which gives you more satisfaction? When God pleases you or when you please Him? Well, I think to be honest, we'd say, I like it when God answers prayer, he, He's pleasing you. I like it when I get a rise in pay, He's pleasing you. I like it when I get a nice letter from home or I get a special invitation <laughs> like to Windsor Castle. Have you told them all where you were last night? 
You know this guy, he goes up, he goes to Windsor Castle all the time. He doesn't tell you. <laughs> how many times you been? Twice. You know how many times I've been? Once. You know when that was? Last night. <laughs> because I had somebody who had connections, and they just said, R.T., you want to come? It was nice, wasn't it? So when God gives you something nice, you think, thank you, Lord. But I'm here to say, learn to get your satisfaction, not from the things he does to please you, but when you're pleasing him. And I can tell you, I can tell you, the knowledge that you please God is more satisfying than any other level of knowledge there is. And Enoch had that. That's the point. The King James Version says it clearer than the version I read today. He had this testimony. The word testimony comes from the same Greek word that means witness. He had this witness. He knew. He knew he was pleasing God. And when you know you're pleasing God, you can face a thousand worlds. That's my challenge to you. Get your joy. And I've had God challenge me not long ago, I mean pretty recently. I went through a time God was hiding his face and I was kind of complaining and grumbling. And I don't say this is verbatim from heaven, but it's close. It went something like this. RT, you preach all over the world. The people should get their joy out of pleasing me. Why don't you start doing that? Oh, boy. It's one thing to go around telling everybody to get your joy from pleasing God. He says, you do that because nothing was pleasing me. He wasn't pleasing me. And I repented. And I thought, you know, this is good. I'm not particularly enjoying this, but I believe I'm pleasing God. And that made up for it. There's, there's no greater witness. Well, that's my word to you today. Get your joy from knowing that you please God. Well,